a tough realization was, you know, nobody fits perfectly into either. You're going to have pieces that don't align and that's okay. And that was kind of how I dug deeper into that. Yeah. I mean, Ronald Reagan, right? He also believed that you don't have to agree 100% of the time. You know, if you agree with me 80%, we're not enemies. Welcome to Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassor, and this show is here to support your interests in center-right politics, policy, and breaking news. Listen in and discover how to awaken your inner ideal candidate and, if you're ready, how you can jump in and change the world as a runner or a supporter. Welcome to Political Contessa. If you or a friend have ever considered running or you know a woman who should, I've got something just for you. My quick guide called Secrets from the Campaign Trail. It will show you five signs to tell you you're ready to enter the political arena. To get these tips and learn about all new podcast episodes and ways to get involved, head over to politicalcontessa.com. Hello and welcome to Political Contessa. This is Jennifer Nassor and I am your Political Contessa. One of my favorite things to do is to interview young women who are interested in politics because I'm fascinated. I know my story and I've shared my story of of being involved in politics from a young age, but it's so interesting to me to hear from other young women why they chose a career in politics, working on campaigns, potentially working in government, and what that launched them into, and and why they think it's important for voices of young women to be heard and the impact of that. So today I have with me a very special guest, Georgia Polmanakis, who is a healthcare professional currently. However, she, once upon a time, did exactly what I did Well, maybe not exactly what I did, but worked exactly where I did in the Mass Republican Party. So we have a common interest there. More recently, Georgia was a fellow for our good friends over at Women's Public Leadership Network, WPLN, here on out. And she also, Georgia also, one of the things I I really love about her career despite the fact she worked at the Mass GOP when I wasn't there, uh, was that she had worked for the most popular governor in the country who is no longer in office, but she did work in his administration, in the administration of Governor Charlie Baker as program coordinator, as a deputy director, and as a senior deputy director. And so she rose up the ranks in state government and then now is working in the private sector and working on getting her master's in public administration. She is a dynamo. And I wish I could recreate Georgia. I wish I could spit her out and have many little minions that are just like Georgia that just love public service, but understand politics, understand policy, and and also the importance of just having women's voice out there, whether that's being in elected office, working for someone in elected office, working on campaigns, or just go vote. So Georgia, thank you for being here with me today on Political Contessa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. No, you're like you're like one of my my young heroes. So 
<laughs> so this is so fun for me because I mean, I, I think our our paths are very similar in what we have done, you know, how we started. But I'm gonna let you talk about your experience, why, how you got involved, what was interesting about working in politics and working in government. Why do you think it's important? You can, you know, you know your beginning. Please share. Well, first, I just want to start off by saying I am so flattered when people tell me like I'm on a similar path as them when they're like my role models. So I'm like, I really hope that that means I'm going to get up to what you're doing and be as cool as you. So I'm very flattered. So thank you. <laughs> well, I'm flattered and I think you're going to surpass me. So that's totally fine. I'm, I'm into that. <laughs> so it all started, honestly, since I was a little girl. I always remember starting in elementary school. That's when my memories begin, sitting at the kitchen table with my dad, eating my cereal and watching the news every single morning. And we would talk about everything from the stock market to current events. And I always felt like he let me have any opinion that I wanted. It didn't matter. There was no right or wrong. And I always felt like I had such a voice and me and my dad could just talk about anything going on. And it kind of went from that in elementary school to all the way up to high school when it would change over to wanting to watch every presidential debate together and talk about all the different elections going on. And my dad was just always, it still is such a huge inspiration to me. He came here from Greece with $50, uh, worked three jobs, totally the American dream. And even though he came from such an old school upbringing, and he has, I'm one of four girls, he never had that old school mindset where he was like, you know, women need to be in the kitchen, or you need to be a housewife. It was always you can do whatever you want. And when high school was over, and I was starting to think about what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go, I decided that I wanted to go to college for political science. And, you know, my parents, I remember them saying to me, you know, politics is a really hard world for, for girls. Do you, how do you think that's going to go? And I was like, unfazed. I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. And, you know, my parents were like, good, no problem. Like, you'll do great. And I felt like I was just so lucky. And then from there, um, I studied political science all through college, and I really started to struggle with kind of like my political identity because I grew up independent. I was always the type that could kind of see both sides, and I really kind of felt a little bit of a pressure to kind of find out where I land. And I decided that to make that decision, I was going to work both sides and see where I fit better. So my first internship ever, I worked for a Democratic state representative in the state house, and I was in awe. And to be honest, I loved it. The office treated me great, and I had such a fun experience. I got to work closely with constituents. I got to work closely with the state representative and the chief of staff. And, you know, I really loved it. But that didn't stop me from wanting to see what the other side was like, too. So after that, I ended up going to intern for the Mass GOP, like you had said. And I was there for about a, a year. And that is truly where I got to learn more about Governor Baker 
and what his views are and what the Republican Party's views are. And I originally from Swampscott, born and raised. So I already knew a ton about him, but I really got to get to know more. And I was invited to fundraisers and events with him and the lieutenant governor. And I think that is when I knew, like, this is where I want to be. That is who I want to work for. And it wasn't necessarily because of the party or anything. It was about getting to know the candidate and really agreeing with what they're talking about. And I think most importantly, uh, finding out their values and where they want the state to go and what they want things to look like and how they want it to look like for you and then your neighbor and someone else. So that is when I think my dream of working for Governor Baker's administration started. And then I graduated and I pretty much dove into a career working for Governor Baker in various capacities. I worked for the state for a little bit of time. And then I worked for his campaign on the political side, the fundraising side. And then eventually I got to start working in his executive office. And like you said, I worked my way up from program coordinator all the way to senior deputy director. And I was in the governor's boards and commissions office. And when we first started working there under Governor Patrick's administration, the numbers on the boards and commissions were 30% women and 70% men. 20, I forget exactly what the number for diversity was, but it wasn't looking good. And we were adamant, Governor Baker was adamant that we wanted our boards and commissions to be a reflection of what the Commonwealth looked like. So it was a big part of my role and my boss's role to get more women on these boards, get more diversity on these boards. And between our team, we got all the boards and commissions to be 51% women and 49% men by the time I left. And that was such a huge, huge success in my eyes. And I was so excited to see that and I think that is really when like my passion for women and women's issues kind of started because I felt like very, you know, privileged growing up. I always had such amazing female leaders and role models around me. Like I never felt like I was lacking that. I had my mom and I still do, who's just like such a powerhouse. She always like runs the household and my sisters who went off and had awesome careers. And then I just had great female bosses, the Master OP chairwoman, Kirsten Hughes. I got to work under Governor Baker, who had tons of different females in leadership roles. So I always kind of felt like women were pretty represented in my eyes. They were around me. I was working for them. I felt, felt really like happy to see that. But then you see things like our boards and commissions, and you're like, well, wow, that's a huge problem. And then you start to notice it more and you start to notice it in pretty much everything. And that really got me interested in finding out more about that specifically. So that is when I started to look at, you know, I went to my master's program. I started to look at organizations like the Women's Public Leadership Network that got me connected with the pocketbook project. And that's kind of how I am here today. <laughs> I think it's so awesome. I mean, you touched on so many things, but 
you know, number one, I mean, it had to be so gratifying in the Baker administration to watch those numbers increase in the number of women on boards and commissions. And I remember the big push for it. And, you know, Romney, Governor Romney got dinged for having binders filled with women, right? But I mean, what else did you have back then? Like, except for resumes and you put them in binders and and you collected resumes. And, you know, today it's a much different thing. And it's really commendable that the boards and commissions got filled the way you guys did. And I remember having these conversations with folks in that office about, you know, the importance of making sure that the boards and commissions were reflective of what Massachusetts was looking like. So that's number one. So that had to be so gratifying. But number two, what strikes me is the the fact that you were able from a young age to talk about anything with your parents but also your story of your you know sitting with your dad and watching presidential debates right and and i think as a parent i look at that and nikki haley recently did a cnn town hall and i had my daughters i said come watch this because this is history and you know one day you're going to say i remember watching this with my mom. And I remember watching the first female Republican run for president of the United States. And how cool is that? And, you know, I hope for my own daughters, I don't know if I want them going into politics, uh, but I hope that, and I know my older one votes, and when my middle one is old enough to vote, I hope that she goes and the little one, but at least go vote, right? At least, at least realize the importance of, of knowing the candidates that are out there and, and understanding, you know, that it's important to listen to what they actually are saying, not just what you're being told by the media or by friends or by family and, and make decisions based off of information. So I think that that as a parent is so cool that you got to do that with your dad. Cause that's something that you'll always remember. It will always have affected, you know, you going into government. The other thing that I find remarkable, and you might not know this about me, Georgia, but when I moved to Massachusetts in 2000, after I graduated from law school and my first job was with the Worcester County DA. And he was a Democrat at the time. And it was, I didn't realize how far Worcester was from Boston. By the way, if you don't live in Massachusetts, Worcester looks like Worcester, but it's really Worcester. And it is actually really far from Boston, except when you're driving to New York, it seems like it's really close to Boston. So I got a job in the state house. And the job I got was with one of, at the time, she probably isn't a liberal, wouldn't be considered a liberal today but a very liberal member of the House of Representatives in in the legislature. And I was like a hidden Republican. I'd always been a Republican. I'd always worked for Republicans. I didn't know what to do with myself. And I finally outed myself with a Republican minority leader and then got a job working in Governor Jane Swift's office. So so you and I have that in common, too. (laughs) I did. I did have a little stint on the other side. And even though my Democratic friends would always love for me to to change at some point because it would I could, you know, I wouldn't be harassing them as much. You know, I couldn't. It was like everything that came out of out of the mouth 
Democrats that were elected to office and God bless them. Some are still with us. Some aren't. Some moved on to different positions. Like I didn't agree with anything, (laughs) but I did try it. (laughs) So that's, but it's good. It's like watching CNN and Fox, right? Or MSNBC and Fox. You need to, you need to understand. It helps you understand. And, you know, in your case, it really gave you some perspective over, I mean, I was a Republican and it was like, it was difficult for me because I knew exactly where, where I was. But, you know, in your case, I think having that experience really opened your eyes and broadened your political appetite because you could, you could see the difference and where you were more politically aligned. Yeah, it was definitely super helpful doing that. And I don't regret it. I remember being a little shy about, you know, my resume for a while, like wanting to work more on the Republican side. I was like, oh, no, like, is that going to hold me back? Is that going to hurt me? But I don't regret it one bit. I made so many great experiences and connections. And I think we all know that Massachusetts, like you just have to be able to work with both sides. And all I can definitely say, having interned there, like I learned how to work with the Democratic side. And then having worked at the Mass GOP, I learned how to work with the Republican side. And yeah, I, I definitely feel like it helped me realize kind of where I fall. But I feel like I can also um, see both at the same time. So and that really does help, I think, get things done and be able to work with all sorts of people. Yeah. And I mean, you know, to Governor Baker's credit, he never cared. I mean, it wasn't something he cared about. And and I think that, you know, it's it is a really good growth experience. I think that everyone has to figure, you know, everyone has to figure out their own political journey. And I think you know, it's important, like my own house. I mean, I never forced being a Republican down my daughter's throats, but we did have conversations. And, you know, I I don't apply the politics at the dinner table as taboo methodology. I want to talk about politics and I want to talk about issues and I want to get into these conversations and I let them figure out where they were, right? And they basically shake out on the same side as me. That was kind of letting them have the freedom to to mm-hmm. go and to and to see, you know, is this person, you know, is AOC talking out of, you know, her rear end, you know, when she goes to the Met Gala at $35,000 $35, ticket and a designer dress and, you know, the whole thing. Like, I think it's important for young people, you know, to to figure out their own path. Yeah. And this story just came to mind, Jen, and I think you'll appreciate it. But I remember when I was starting to like kind of figure out where I fall politically and I was a bit panicked. I was like, oh, no, like, I think I'm a Republican. Like, oh, my goodness. And it's funny because like you hear such you hear the extremes of both sides, um, especially when you're going to school for it, especially when the school you go to is fairly liberal. and. I was like, how can I be a part of a party that people say hate women? I'm a woman. And like, I need (laughs) to think myself and like my interests, like, is this the best for me? Like, does this make sense? Like, how can I be a woman and a Republican? And I started to kind of dig deeper into that part, too. It wasn't just being like, yeah, I'm a Republican or yeah, I'm a I'm a Democrat. It was like, but how am I a Republican? What parts make me a Republican? What parts do I agree with? What parts don't? And, you know, a tough realization was, you know, nobody fits perfectly into either. You're going to have pieces that don't align and that's okay. 
And that was kind of how I dug deeper into that. Yeah. I mean, Ronald Reagan, right? He also believed that you don't have to agree 100% of the time. You know, if you agree with me 80%, we're not enemies. We all have different upbringings, right? And your your dad came over from Greece. My grandparents came over from Italy and Syria. And the conversations that we all had at our dinner tables are going to be so different from someone who's been here for generations and generations. And the forms your political beliefs, right? And and how you're treated and how, like you said, your dad never believed that a woman should be home barefoot and pregnant. And, you know, like everyone has a different belief and value and moral system. And and that comes into play in your politics too. And and that's totally okay. And that's why I think the fringes are destroying us. But that's a conversation for another day. Okay. So I so I want to get back to your experience because I think, you know, working in the administration is really kind of probably, especially in such an amazing, for such an amazing governor, really kind of propelled you. But why do you think, and now you're not in in the public sector right now, but why do you think the public service is important to to go into and to see and to to maybe examine even as an intern? Yeah, so I feel like public service is basically in everything we do. I also, I believe that public service makes up a big part of our life as well. And I always think about how women need to have perspective in public service. And we have such a different, unique perspective than what a man's perspective may be, even if we have the same opinion on something, we still could see it totally different. And I feel like we have to have a voice in public service because those roles make such a big difference on our lives. And for me personally, I truly love to just be able to help and And I hope when I'm involved that I'm making good choices that are going to better the lives of other people. I don't know what my calling was or what made me so into it, but I I know that, you know, I just want to be able to help. And I think it's just so important for as many people to get involved and to participate. And if you don't vote, it pretty much just makes it as if you don't have a voice and you don't have a say and everyone should be able to have a say. Absolutely. Amen to that. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think for me, watching uh, legislators and working in the governor's office gave me, I mean, it was such a long time ago, but Jane Swift got beat up because she was a mother and she was the first governor to have twins. Forget about a baby. She had twins in office. And the the scrutiny that she was under as a woman was unbelievable. But watching other women who were in office and and how they had to struggle to, you know, to fight for their constituency, but their hearts were in the right place and they were really concerned about their constituency and they weren't doing it for ego. They were doing it for the right reasons. And not that men do it for ego, but I just think that it's really phenomenal to have more women in office, but but also as as their staff, as their chief of staff, as and you had Baker administration had a female chief of staff. 
And I think that those positions are equally as important as actually running for office and and being elected to a position. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And kind of how we talked about this earlier, I mean, although he was a male governor, his administration was filled with powerhouse women in leadership roles. And that was just such a breath of fresh air. And being able to work for these women who kind of have the same values and ideologies as me of just wanting to help and truly showing that like what you do in your job can affect people. And it's important that you do a good job. And yeah. So what do you think you ultimately got out of being young and in a brand new administration? So you had the benefit of kind of coming in with a new administration that was also there for a full, you know, eight years, a full two terms. What do you think that you gained from that? And and the other women that you worked with, I mean, obviously it's the it's the camaraderie right that you built with other young people that were in government and doing the same thing but do you do you feel what do you feel that the value is to serve in government and and what does it mean to have young people especially women serve in government yeah first off i think being in an executive office is such a unique situation especially for me cuz i was in boards and commissions And we touched upon 700 different boards and commissions, and they all had different backgrounds and policy areas. So I really was able to learn about pretty much any policy area you could think of. Everything from health and human services to energy to education. So I felt like And I still feel like in general, working in public service and working in government makes you really well-rounded. Every single day, you are learning about a new topic. And when I say every single day, sometimes multiple times a day, because, you know, a lot of working for state government is like fires happening all the time and learning about new issues really quickly and how to resolve it. And uh, one of the biggest things in my career at the state house working for governor baker was during the covid-19 pandemic so i just remember waking up one morning in march 2020 when things started to get really bad and i got a phone call from my boss and he was like i need you to lead a team of people to do vetting for the pp procurement i need you to completely come out of your role Put that aside. And I need you to really help right now. And that really taught me about transitioning, pivoting, and what public service is about. You have to be mendable, you have to make priorities important right away. Because sometimes, you know, people's lives are on the line, and you really need to make sure that you're doing the best thing possible. And I was like, I know nothing about PP, but you know, count me in. I'm going to help. I want to help. Tell me what I need to do. So it was me and a team of, I think, 11 other people. And I was the head of it. And we would go through thousands and thousands and thousands of vendors a day that became vendors pretty much overnight to sell us PP. 
And we had to vet all of them to see who would be the best sellers to the Commonwealth for us. And I had to learn everything from masks to, you know, testing kits to gloves. I knew everything about cotton swabs and I had to become an expert overnight. And we ended up helping the Commonwealth procure millions of pieces of PPE. It wasn't easy. We were up day and night. I was probably working 80 hours a week. We were talking to people who just started their company the night before and were promising us, you know, millions of PPE by the end of the day. (laughs) So, you know, we had to really, really be on it and on top of it. And I often think state employees get a tough rap because they're set. The people say, oh, you know, they don't work a lot or, you know, it's just like come right in at 901, leave at 459. But that's not it at all. And most of us in public service, like we want to give it our all. We want to help. We want to do our best. And in some situations, like we have to because people are depending on it. And I think that was an experience of a lifetime. It taught me a ton. And um, I, although it was really stressful, I was really lucky to be able to be a part of it. And getting to lead it as a woman too. Like my administration wholeheartedly have had faith in me being able to take on the challenge to learn something totally new, to be a leader of tons of people. And I never felt at any time that, you know, I couldn't do it because I felt like I had people behind me and they, I worked in an administration where they wanted women to succeed. And I'm sure that feels differently than some other people have with their experiences at their organizations. So overall, I just feel like I've been really lucky and I've seen a lot of my female colleagues in the governor's office move on to huge, great roles. And I think if you work somewhere where they want to see women succeed, women will succeed. I that is amazing. That's actually that's so profound because it's so true. I mean, I had a boss like that and who is a man and he he was always pushing me to do more. And I think that that's amazing. What I think is phenomenal though for you and this is the first time I've heard the story. Like you are a young woman. I mean, and and for and that was 3 years ago. And so to be charged with such a big role is really truly amazing and something to be really personally proud of because it shows a lot about your work ethic and it shows a lot of trust in your capabilities. And so that's really awesome. And you should wear that as a badge of honor because that's that is really cool. And it because it was a it was a scary time and no one knew what was going to happen. And there were a lot of shysters out there, right? So I mean, knew enough that yeah, if you just opened your doors last <laughs> night chances are we're not getting everything that we need off of you. Yeah. And I feel like oftentimes we're expected to be experts in every field. And it really showed with that, everybody turns their head and looks at the administration and they're like, now what? Like, what are we going to do? How are you going to fix this? And that's a big part of our job. So we figure it out. And I feel like, you know, at the end we got, I remember seeing airplane land with millions of pieces of PPE on it. And it was just like, not having slept the last couple of days was totally worth it. (laughs) (laughs) 
That is really cool. That was a very scary time. And, and, uh, and well, thank you. Thank you for, for doing that and for your service. And I mean, I think that's the value of being in public service, right? You don't know what it's going to lead to. You don't know what door is going to open. You don't know what opportunities you have. You don't know who you're working with and where they're going to land up. But, you know, I think to me, it always meant there's a chance that you have an opportunity to make a difference and you don't know what that opportunity is until it comes along and then you could really actually change someone's life and and you know in your case like you know probably helped a lot of people that were very scared at the time to not feel so scared so that's very cool all right so let's move on so so now governor baker rides off into the sunset has an awesome brand new job and you are working as a project coordinator and you are living your best life and and working on your masters but you decided that on top of all of your craziness in your life of a new job and working on your masters and having trying to squeeze in your personal life in there that you wanted to be a fellow for WPLN what was that experience why why and <laughs> I mean, not like I love them, but I mean, I'm just saying like, you're already super busy. Why? And, and what was that experience like for you? Yeah. So I always have a bit of a a regret that I didn't do enough during my undergraduate. And some people might look at me like I have 10 heads and be like, you did plenty. But I always look back and wish I was involved more. I did more. Suffolk's like a Suffolk University is a really big commuter school and it's easy to just go to class and go home. And I did that a lot. And don't get me wrong, that's fine. Like that's totally okay. But I look back and I'm like, I really wish I did more during my studies. And when I applied for my master's program, I was thinking about, you know, what I wanted to add to it to really like strengthen what I'm doing in my classes. It didn't necessarily have to be through the university, but I knew I wanted to tack on a bit more. And that is when I was like, you know, it would be really cool to be a fellow. And to be honest, at the time, I was like, not even totally sure what that entailed. And kind of started looking into it. I had already heard about the Women's Public Leadership Network. I didn't realize that they had a fellowship, probably because it was the inaugural one. So I kind of fell upon the application and I started to read about it. And I'm like, this is awesome. I love women's issues. And that's a big passion of mine. And it really correlates with my master's program. And it really also correlates with my love for public service and getting women elected to office. That's like a huge thing for me. So it really just all made perfect sense. And I applied and I was selected as one of four nationally. And it was really exciting. And I was partnered with the Pocketbook Project through that and got to work really closely with the Pocketbook Project and get to learn a lot more about the mission and how it works with WPLN as well. And got to have some really fun events and got to make, I made estate perspectives for the Pocketbook Project with all the different highlights of everything the organization is doing. And 
It was just such an awesome experience. I got to meet different types of organizations like the Pocketbook Project throughout the entire country. And it's so refreshing to see that these organizations exist. As you know, there's not enough publicity on them and people aren't aware of the resources that they have. And it's so nice to know that there are so many like-minded people all over the country that want the same for their people. They want women to be in public office. And I just got to meet so many women and I got to learn so much about women's issues and what struggles we have running for office. And it really helped me with my leadership skills. And it was just a really, really great opportunity that I'm sad ended this past May, though. That's awesome. And I think that that's like, it's almost like the icing on the cake for you, you know, from where you started as an intern on the legislative side and working for the state party to working in the administration and then to see that side because it's so different because you're right. I mean, I, I think that most women as you know, have to be asked to run for office at least seven times, right? Most men look in the mirror in the morning, they like fluff their hair and they're like, look at me, I should be king of the world, right? And like, you know, go off and run for whatever they're going to run for. Women have amazing networks. We all have amazing networks. We have friends from childhood and we never ask our networks. We never fundraise off of our networks. Men, for some reason, it's like, you know, whether it's their daughter's Girl Scout troop or, you know, running for office, seem to suddenly pull friends out of every pocket to donate to them. And I think it's really interesting as a young woman to be involved to see how difficult it is for a woman to run for office, whether it's get the courage or just say, and I don't think it's the courage. I think it's more the, we always have a million things going on, right? You have, you know, you're starting out your life and you don't want to take time away from your career, or you just got married and you don't want to take time away, or you just had kids, or who's going to take care of your parents on the upper end. And I think there's always some reason because we are thinking about everyone at all times. And then it comes to fundraising and it's, you know, are my friends going to donate? And it's always that second guessing. And and I think it's really important to know that as a woman and to encourage other women to get out there because maybe it's not running for office, but maybe it's working on a campaign, right? Maybe it's talking about the candidate you're working for. And you had said something earlier in the episode, but I always say I couldn't ever work for anyone that I wouldn't want to throw myself in front of a bus for. Yeah. Right. And isn't like now you see that right now that you've worked for someone like that, like mm-hmm. it's it's really hard to give so much of yourself and believe what they're saying and trust them and, and enough that you want to go tell your friends and family about that candidate. And so it's like, I I want you to earn my trust enough that I am your best salesperson. And I would say I would throw myself in front of a bus for that person because that's how much I believe what they are saying. And I think more women should run for office because we are genuine. What you see is what you get. Like we we have so many different issues that we're interested in. And, you know, the media wants to tell us, oh, you're only concerned about abortion. You know, when we're concerned about the potholes and, you know, 
living in Boston that my daughter was little and riding her scooter. And I'm like, she's going to knock her teeth out because there's a piece of cement that's picked up. And and what about the old person who's walking along here and going to get a concussion and fall or break a hip? Like those are actual issues, right? And to work for an organization like WPLN and to partner with a pocketbook project and the others around the country, you see that it's important to have other women who understand, can support, can give the stories, can, you know, help on the fundraising side. So I think it's it was a really great experience, you know, my perspective for you, but to see something that was totally different because I think that there's still is a struggle out there. And I mean, you see the numbers, right? The numbers speak for themselves. Women are still underrepresented in most state houses, including Massachusetts. We have three Republican women out of 200 legislators. There are three Republican females. You know, in most local offices, women still are under 30%. So, you know, we're still so underrepresented and, and the left does a really good job of having organizations that support women. And mm-hmm. the right feels like we're catching up. And, and I thank WPLN for, for doing that, but also for bringing in a cohort of fellows that can go out and say to other people that they're working with, you know, there's someone that could help you and train you and and be a shoulder to lean on and to give you a little push, you know, when you're not sure about it. So it definitely seems like it was it was a pretty cool experience. Yeah, I always tell everyone it was an experience of a lifetime and I didn't want it to end. So and I felt the same way with the pocketbook project. And I was so glad that I got to kind of work with both. And I just overall feel really lucky that we do have these organizations because it can be scary, you know, to run for office. And with the training and the resources and the support that these organizations want to give, it does not need to be scary because it's all out there to help you. And, um, the more we can get the word out about it, I think we'll be able to get more women out there to run. Oh, I hope so. And, you know, in full disclosure, for anyone who doesn't know, Pocketbook Project is my organization. And it was uh, it was wonderful to have Georgia on our side and working with us because it really it really is. It's it's my like deep down to my core. It's just one of those things that I have watched so many women say, I don't want to run for office because. Right. And it's might be kids, it might be parents, it might be just circumstances. The the most I don't want to say horrifying thing I had heard, but but like just jaw dropping was women didn't want to run because they didn't want anyone to know. I mean, and this is here in Massachusetts, that they didn't want anyone to know they were Republicans and it would ruin their social status. And you know, it's funny, like. I have definitely lost friends since 2016 when Trump was running. I mean, people who don't follow me on social media or don't talk to me. And like one of them, literally, she she just like ghosted me and <laughs> just because I'm a Republican. So I, so I get it. But like, is that a reason why you wouldn't want to see good policy and and see for whether it's on elder issues for your parents or education for your children or jobs and growth and opportunity zones. And I mean, there's just so much that you could hit on. 
And I, I hope that, you know, organizations like Pocketbook and like WPLN and like our, our sister organizations around the country, again, can lift up and have these women lean on them, not just to run for office, but be those campaign managers, be those fundraisers, talk to their friends, host events, talk about politics in a knowledgeable way. By the way, you and I both know this, like, don't get your information off of TikTok or Twitter or Instagram (laughs) or Facebook, bad news sources. Like the Google thing takes just as long as it does to sign on to TikTok and actually you could find real information. <laughs> but like just to get out there and to be able to have those conversations and then to support candidates that you believe in because even supporting a candidate that is maybe not the same political persuasion that you are, if you know that person is going to have an open door and an open mind and be able to listen to their constituency, I'm I'm in favor of of whoever. Like I think we need a balance and a balance is good in a democracy. But you need to get out there, right? And you need to start talking about politics and policy and things that are important to you. And hopefully we get women to run in the future. But I mean, I think, again, like having women like you who work in government, you know, and, and have done stints like that is equally as important. Yeah. And I've heard that a bunch where women are shy to talk about their political views. And I think if you are just, you know, confident in your beliefs and where you stand, and like you said, you have good data from good resources, you could really, you know, you should be able to feel confident in yourself. And if somebody judges, you know, your political views based off how you feel and how you think you are, then it's just not the right person in your life. Right, exactly. And that shouldn't prohibit you from running for office or working for a candidate or saying well, that you, you know, approve of of someone. And 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 again, like I think Charlie Baker did an amazing job of of showing that regardless of what his political affiliation was, it didn't matter. He was going to do the best job for the citizens of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And and I, I would love to see more leaders like that. My personal opinion is we need more female leaders that are like that. But I just want women involved. Like that's why I just love what you have done so far in your career being involved because you really are a phenomenal role model for young women that you have practiced what you preach. You you have worked in the state party, you've worked on campaigns, you've worked in government, you know, and you've and you've seen the nonprofit side of it. And I think that all of those things combined make you a really good spokesperson for the importance of having more women involved. And and at the end of the day, that's all I want. Like, I just want women not to feel stifled and also not to feel bullied that they have to believe one way because their friends tell them, right? Their school tells them, their, their community is all one-sided. Like, just have have the ability to go and educate yourself and to see what else is out there. And and you never know which side you're going to fall on. And you're living proof of that. Yeah. And I think people forget, like, just because you're a Republican or you're a Democrat doesn't mean that you side or you have to agree with every single thing every Democrat does or every Republican does. You are still your own person. You have your beliefs. And 
just stay true to those, even if you're a Republican, but you side with something on the Democratic side, it's not the end of the world. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, I mean, you know, again, the fringes believe that, right? I mean, 85% of the country is pretty much in the middle. And then, you know, the 7.5 on other side, their hair goes on fire the second they hear something from someone in their own party, forget about the other party. (laughs) Um, I have been, I have been victim to that. (laughs) I I have more blogs written about me. My favorite was someone once upon a time put me in a, it superimposed my face on Hitler, on a picture of Hitler. And then the other one was, I was five months pregnant with my little one and someone superimposed my face on a dominatrix body. So yeah, women, you shouldn't be afraid of going into politics at all. (laughs) It's kind of funny. I always thought it was hysterical and would laugh, but yeah, you see the most interesting things. But Georgia, I think, you know, you had to have some really great life lessons. I really look forward to seeing what is ahead for you. And I hope that you continue to be a really good ambassador to propel more women into public service, more women into politics and and thinking about running for office or at least helping someone. Because I think if if anyone can do it, I'm I'm betting it's you. I'm going to put my money on you. <laughs> well, thanks again, Jen, for having me today. Absolutely. So thank you for being here today with me on Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassour. I'm your Political Contessa. Make sure you pay attention to actual news, not the fake news. Make sure you know what you're talking about, but don't be afraid to go out there, talk about policy, Talk to your friends about politics in a normal way that is understandable. And don't be afraid that diversity of opinion is going to, you know, ruin ruin your life in any way. It's really important to go have those conversations. And hopefully this conversation was enlightening for you today, listening to a young woman who is involved in politics. So thank you for being here today. And please stay happy, healthy, and safe. Thanks so much for listening to Political Contessa. For all the ways to listen and to get the inside scoop on what's happening in center-right politics for women like us, head over to politicalcontessa.com. 